0: You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit, of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, y'all. So here's I'm going to need your um, need your help this morning in a different way. So unlike last week, today's uh, conversation isn't isn't punchy. Um, it isn't going to be as lively. Um, it's a teaching. Today's a teaching and it's not going to have all these little points that we can kind of grasp. So in other words, I'm asking for you to really be with me as I try to offer a teaching to us this morning. Uh, one that I think is important uh, for us to wrestle with. So as we get into that, I want to say to you, do not fear. There will be four practices at the end of this conversation that I will offer us that we can actually apl- so we can apply what it is I'm trying to offer in this teaching, okay, you good? So remember, I have self-esteem issues, so I'm gonna need some nonverbals every now and then, um, and just just let me know you're with me. We'll do some call and response kind of jolt us back into it. Uh, so if you have your Uversion app and that's not a distraction for you, uh, then please pull that up if you want to. You can find the Williamsburg Christian Church event, click it. Notes will be there for you. Uh, grab your Bibles. We're gonna look at about four different texts this morning. Uh, We're going to bounce around through that, so let's, uh, let's, let's get after this together. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, very simple, simple reading. Matthew 4, verse 23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the what? The good news of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Notice it doesn't say the good news of you get your sins forgiven and you get to go to heaven when you die. Um, It is the good news of the kingdom, meaning the good news that the reign of God has broken into the world and all are welcomed into the reign of God and the life of God, where forgiveness of sins is received and life with God never ends. Preaching the good news of the kingdom and, listen, healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's it. That's the way Matthew summarizes Jesus' ministry, that Jesus leaves a trail of liberated and healed bodies in his ministry. Jesus didn't leave a trail of weary and burdened bodies in his ministry. And when the Christian faith does that, we should ask why. When the Christian faith leaves a trail of burdened and wearied bodies, we should ask why. So beyond the consequences of unhealthy expressions of Christianity are harmful, idolatrous expressions of Christianity like Christian nationalism and such. One of the reasons I think this trail of weary and burdened bodies are left in the wake of Christianity could be because many of us live divided lives. i mean, thinking about this. There's a, there's a, a division between what's happening on the inside of me What I'm calling our inner life, so say inner life. And what is happening on the outside of me, the outer life, say the outer life. And we don't reconcile the two. We don't bring the two, reconcile, we don't bring the two together. Because that takes work. And that requires something of us. It requires facing what we're ignoring on the inside and trying to hide. It's easier just to get on with life as it is. And the result of that, at best, is an unhealthy expression of our faith, or at worst, a harmful expression of our faith. And we want to be whole. We want to experience faith that fills our hearts and minds and connects to the deepest parts of us, and then makes sense of the world. We want a faith that makes sense, It makes a connection to the deepest parts of us and then flows out of us and makes sense of the world. But dividedness, this dividedness, this is this this unreconciled life is is an easier choice. Parker Palmer says this: if you'll just follow me on this quote. I have a lot of quotes this morning. It's partly what may make this a little challenging to stay with me. So follow me on this quote. So what Parker Palmer. Uh, Theologian says, a still and small voice speaks the truth about me, my work and the world. I hear it and yet act as if I did not. I withhold a personal gift that might serve a good end or commit myself to a project that I do not believe in. I keep silent on an issue I should address or actively break faith with one of my own convictions. I deny the inner darkness giving it more power over me. So our inner and outer self is sometimes unreconciled to one another. And we end up with a kind of dualism, two things happening at once. That changes how faith is worked out in the real world. And the struggle's real. Struggle is real. And since Paul knew this struggle himself, he writes this prayer for Christians living in Ephesus. I want you to receive this prayer. It's Ephesians chapter 3. This is the prayer that Paul prays. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. One of my favorite prayers in Scripture, a powerful prayer. He says this. This is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth Is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. As a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Listen to that. I ask that you'll know the love that's beyond knowledge so that you'll be filled entirely, entirely with all the fullness of God. Listen to this prayer. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work where? Within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen. Ephesians 4, 14, or Ephesians 3, 14-21. But I want you to listen to this line again, verse 16. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves, from the riches of His glory through the Spirit. We all have an inner life. And it's supposed to inform and transform our outer life. So that we aren't living this dualistic, or this divided, or this unreconciled life. But when our inner lives, and stay with me, when our inner lives goes unchecked, because we're focusing on so much on what we need to do. So much. Or, when our inner life isn't given the time and attention we need to give it. When we're not purposeful about our walk with Jesus. The inner and outer life will not reconcile. It will not align. Our inner and outer life is not integrated as a whole. We end up with a divided life. And what we don't often realize is we do not embrace our full humanity, like the fullness of who we are. And many times it's this war between our flesh self, what Paul calls the flesh and the spirit. There's the war with the flesh self and the Holy Spirit-filled self. The flesh self is formed by years of living and even still living in the reign of sin and death. And then the Holy Spirit-filled self The self being born again in Christ is formed by the reign of grace, which we're all still learning, which we've all probably lived less time in. And now that we have this life this life in the grace of God, what we have now is what we what we live on the inside, which is what everybody sees. But we have this life that we live on the outside, on the on the I'm sorry, the outside which everybody sees and we have this life that we live on the inside which nobody really sees. Nobody really knows except ourselves and on the outside we're this happy person and on the inside we're sad. On the outside we're this confident, successful person and on the inside we're this insecure person slightly afraid of what others would think if they found out who I really am and, and and so on you get it our lives are like an iceberg what what is revealed on the surface is far less than what's going on beneath and this life where the inner and outer self is divided this unreconciled life it's dangerous and it hurts us and it eventually hurts others It hurts those closest to us because we leak out whatever it is we're ignoring on the inside. Like we can try to hide the sadness, but our attitude changes. Like we get short and edgy with those who know us best, and they're the ones who notice. We get defensive, or we get despondent, or we get quiet or distant, and those who know us best notice. See, it also hurts our neighbors. Because we have very little capacity for hospitality, which is a kinship love of strangers. We have very little capacity for compassion and empathy. Whatever's happening on the inside anchors us down on the outside. We can't engage in disagreements well. We get defensive because of whatever it is we're secretly protecting, but we won't admit. I'm not embracing my whole self, my full humanity. And if I'm not embracing my whole self, and hear me out on this, I cannot affirm another person's humanity despite their imperfection because I deny my own because of mine. I cannot trust another person's integrity because I deny my own. Because I'm not even honest with me. So I no longer live with integrity. Because integrity is more than just what we do. Integrity is how what we do aligns with what's going on inside of us. God wants to liberate us into a life of integrity. But we must embrace a fully human life, including all the imperfections that come with it. Rich Velotis says this in his book, The Deeply Formed Life, which we read last month in our reading cohort. He says this, he says, to follow Jesus in this world requires us to embrace a fully human life, alive to the dimensions of our interior worlds that are often repressed, ignored, or even explained away with Bible verses in the name of respectability. Here's what I think he's saying. Until we embrace a fully human life, we cannot fully embrace others. The unreconciled life keeps us unreconciled with other people. So if we want to solve divisions, hear me out. If we want to solve divisions in our society, if we wanted to solve, we want to model reconciliation as a people, as the church, as a people reconciled to God, we have to do the work of reconciling our inner and outer lives personally. Does that make sense? Like too often times we want to go out there and reconcile the world, but we have to reconcile what's going on in here. Like I have to reconcile the hatreds inside of me with the love of God inside of me. I have to reconcile the imperfections that are actually in me, that show up outside of me, that I hide from you before I try to deal with everybody else's imperfections. I think that's why Jesus said Before you start talking about the speck in your brother or sister's eye, what? Deal with the plank in yours, right? Like, Fred, like you can't see well, Fred, when the plank is sticking out your eye. Now, Jesus doesn't say we can't call each other out. That is called Christianity. We love one another for God's sake. We guard one another's backs, but we do so dealing with our own divided life. We, we live toward wholeness. We live toward reconciling our own inner lives. Thomas Merton, this theologian and mystic, he said this, and I love this quote. He says, there is in all visible things a hidden wholeness. That reminds me of a line from uh, another theolo- theologian and mystic, Howard Thurman, who said, there is a sense of wholeness at the core of man. Here's what I think they're both trying to say. We are made And we might even say remade in Christ for wholeness. Everybody say, I am made for wholeness. Say it. I am made for wholeness. We must learn to embrace our whole selves, though, if we're going to experience the wholeness. Because God embraces our whole self. Have you ever thought about that? That God embraces all of you. God's not embracing the good in you and just ignoring the darkness in you. God is embracing the good and the darkness and wanting to make it all new. God wants to align what is dark and let the light of Christ shine in and scatter the darkness and heal us from the inside out. He's making us whole. Reconciliation within myself begins with realizing that my divided self is a result of, of my lack of reconciling who I am to who God is making me be in Christ. Are you with me? That's why we always talk about reading Jesus and following Jesus. In the Christian tradition, it's long been understood that a knowledge of oneself can only come by a deeper knowledge of God. In other words, if you want to know thyself, you have to know God. Which makes sense because God made thyself. And God knows best how thyself works. Because God made thyself. I just want to speak in King Jimmy language for a little bit. If God made us, then God knows best how our life is supposed to work. The more deeply we know God, the more open our eyes can be to who we are and who we are not and what needs to be aligned with God. John Calvin, the 16th century theologian, which I do not quote him very often for a hundred reasons, said, The knowledge of God and that of ourselves are connected. Without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. God knows us best. And what do we often say? What do we follow up with that? God knows us best and what? Loves us most. One of these days, like you'll understand why I repeat phrases all the time. It's so that they get inside of our hearts. The Holy Spirit does work. Knowing ourselves is directly connected to how deeply we know God. God in the person of Jesus tells us who we were meant to be and can be. God in the person of Jesus reveals who we really are when by God's power we align our lives with what we see and hear in Jesus. Once we do that, we will know. Once we once we look at Jesus and we look at our lives and we begin to do the work of aligning our lives with what we see in the teachings of Jesus. You want practical? Read the Sermon on the Mount. Just do that. Just go home, read the Sermon on the Mount over and over and over. Not just Matthew's version. Also read Luke's version, less friendly. But you read Matthew and Luke's version and then look at your life and just start aligning it. Just start chipping away and take the little pieces that you chip away and submit them to Jesus and say, here, like, what do I do? do with this and then jesus will say you hold on to it and let me let me take it from you when i'm ready or when you're ready or whatever but you just do that you just begin to walk if you have an enemy instead of harboring hatred start doing things that show love all right that's like love your enemies that's a command just do that like if you aren't literally loving your neighbor as you love yourself then take a look at how you're loving yourself and duplicate that in how you love your neighbor you with me Like if you're holding on tightly to your money, then maybe give a little away. Those are the ways we begin to reveal who we are and who we can be. When we start doing that, we can align ourselves with what we see in Christ. We pledged allegiance to this journey toward wholeness in our baptism. Peter says our baptism is a pledge, Bible language, of a good conscience towards God. That's why Paul said in Romans 8, so if you have your Bibles, Romans 8, verse 12 to 14, so then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it isn't an obligation to ourselves to live our lives on the basis of selfishness. If you live on the basis of selfishness, what does Paul say? This is really good news, right? No, not at all. If you live your life on selfishness, what does he say? You are going to die, right? And we know that, don't we? Like, don't we know that when we live our lives selfishly, it doesn't end well? Like, don't we just know that practically? I'm going to play in the road. All right, then. You go do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. Okay. Paul said, but if by the Spirit, everybody say by the Spirit. Everybody say, by the Spirit. Spirit. Say, not by myself. Come on, do this with me. I know we feel like we are in kindergarten class, but you know, come on. But by the Spirit. Spirit. All right, don't repeat what I'm about to say now. I'm going to just keep reading. But if by the Spirit you put to death the actions of the body, what? You will live. So how do we... Like, bring the divided inner and the divided outer into one integrated whole. How do we reconcile ourselves by the Spirit? What does that mean? A lot. Right? But I'll tell you where it starts. A choice. It starts with a new way of thinking. In a world that says, kill your enemies, you choose to love them because that's what Jesus teaches. How about that, for starters? Which is why Paul would go on to say that you should do this and you can do this because, what does he say in verse 14? All who are led by God's spirit are what? God's sons and daughters. This is how the sons and daughters of God live. They live being led by God. So we're sons and daughters of God being made new, but we must participate in our transformation. You with me? We must participate in our transformation. Think about all the little stories in the Gospels. When Jesus fed the 5,000, did he just make food appear in their, bread, in their, in their plate? No, no. He was trying to teach the disciples something, so what did he ask the disciples do? He, they served them. They served food. Think about how transformational it must have been when every time the disciple got to the last fish or the last bread, there was more fish and more bread. Like, think about how transformational that must have been. Think about the wedding in Cana. When the jars needed to be filled with water and turned to wine. Could Jesus have just turned the jars of water into wine, like without having to tell them to go fill the water? Like, could he just have done it? Yes, if he's Jesus and the gospel true, he could have. But what did he do instead? He filled, he told them to fill the jars with water. We participate actively in our transformation, but the power to be transformed comes from where? It comes from God. So we're not gonna sit here and pray ourselves in the holiness, we're gonna have to love a neighbor. Because the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And if you're not putting yourself in a position to have your patience tested, then the Spirit of God's not going to be able to produce that which you aren't willing to face. Patience literally means long-suffering. If we're not willing to suffer long with somebody, then the Holy Spirit's not going to be able to do that work of increasing the capacity of who we are. Which all begins with a new way of thinking about how life works. Okay, I'm almost done, so stay with me. Romans chapter 8. Let's read back. We're going to read before we, the text we just read now, verse 5 through 8. People whose lives are based on selfishness, think about selfish things. But people whose lives are based on the Spirit, think about things that are related to the Spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death. But the attitude that comes from the Spirit leads to life and peace. Another word for peace is shalom. Another word for shalom is wholeness. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. Self-centeredness means being secretly concerned with self above all others. It's about my beliefs, my point of view, My protection, my rights, my peace, my joy, my ideology, my way of life. The question isn't, are we concerned about these things? We all are in some way. The question is, do these concerns get elevated above the well-being of others, especially vulnerable others? If so, then we are leaning into self-centered lives. And self-centered lives are always divided unreconciled lives and here's perhaps the greatest challenge and this is probably where we could end the teaching we'll hardly admit it when we're self-centered it's kind of like christians with idolatry when i've had an idol i never once remember waking up going yeah, like i i cannot wait to worship my idols this morning like i never remember doing that i don't think any of us wake up and go whoo whoo it is good to be me Cannot wait to be self-centered this morning. Like, I don't think any of us do that purposefully. I mean, I hope. <laughs> like, like, we'll hardly admit it. We may be so entrenched in our self-centeredness that we can't even see it. So we will never lay down our rights for another who is more vulnerable. We will always lean into our points of view because we're content to secretly defend what we want to believe justifying ourselves despite what we hear and see from Jesus, and so on. Liberation from this kind of entrenchment can only happen by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And tragically, it usually only happens when something hard and disruptive takes place and then leads us to repentance, like a loss of relationship or a loss of job or a significant failure or something. And in the end, we have to be humbled. And I don't want that to happen to any of us. On the other hand, for some of us, it may be that we're just afraid of admitting our self-centeredness. We're afraid of what we will see, or maybe what others will see. We feel that we have something to prove and we don't want to be found out that we aren't all that we present ourselves to be. See, here's the good news. God already sees it. And God already sees it. And he loves you. Despite it. And he wants to liberate you from that. There's no hiding it from God. And it's okay. You don't have to. There's a bloodstained cross in an empty tomb that says God will deal gently with you. What does scripture say? He will not break a bruised reed. We can't stop dodging ourselves, y'all. We can heal. We can reconcile ourselves with God's self, and this is the ongoing work of inner and outer reconciliation in every aspect of our lives. We never fully arrive. We're always on the journey. And this may be your primary struggle today. If so, begin. Like just begin, do the work of interior examination. Rich's book, The Deeply Formed Life, has two chapters that might be helpful. We're gonna have some spiritual practices here in a a few minutes that I wanna offer that might be helpful. But before we do, I wanna talk about one other dimension of reconciling our inner and outer lives, and it speaks to the level of our desires. Say our desires. We have to ask the question, do I really want to be reconciled within myself? Like do I really want an undivided life? Because, see, we usually only grasp for what we want. Like, let's be honest. We will grasp, like the image of grasping. We'll grasp for what we want. We'll work hard for the things we value, taking care of family, project at work, a project around the house, or whatever. But when it comes to the deeper things of life, like what we're talking about today, do we really want it? Like, will we grasp for it? Do we want to be reconciled first with the truth of God who is Jesus, and then the promises of God and our baptismal identity. Do we, want to tr- do we really want to learn how to submit to the presence and power of God working in us and then join God in participating in my own transformation for which he will give the power to accomplish? Or have we grown so accustomed to this old identity of who we were when we were not sharing in God's triune life that, that, that I've seen the division within, but I just will choose to live in the contradiction Or will I choose to pursue the reality of reconciliation? Sometimes we just don't want to deal with what we know or maybe don't know is there. And that's ultimately what hurts us. And so we settle. We settle for compartmentalizing our lives. We split ourselves in such a way that we can offer certain parts of our lives to God but deny God the rest. We'll cut ourselves off from the unpleasant parts and then we'll cut them off from God. And we'll eventually cut them off from others. And there may be some kind of fear of judgment at work here in us. What does the scripture say? That the love of God drives out what? Fear. Because there's no judgment in love. God's not judging you. I may be judging you. Your neighbor may be judging you. God's not judging you. And this is where the mindset Paul spoke of in Roman 8 matters. We need to remember that God already sees us and loves us, including these imperfections. We do not have to remain unwilling to deal with whatever we think we will find, no matter how deep the trauma may even be. When we think we can hide from it, we are just deceiving ourselves. It will leak out. My anxious self will be revealed when things are uncertain. My self-centered self, or unkind self, will be and has been revealed when when what I value is threatened. My insecure self will be revealed when my well-being or success is shaken. It's happened to me, and some of you have even seen it happen to me, because you've been on the receiving end of it, and I imagine some of it has happened to you. And like we've said many times before, pain that is not transformed is pain-transferred. It has to be transformed. And whatever we're trying to hide will reveal itself if for no other reason God will make it reveal itself because God is after our liberation. He wants reconciled what has been divided. God's love is a stubborn refusal to let us live in our own captivity. So when bad things are happening to you, Stop asking why is God letting this happen or why these things, what God could be doing. Stop asking that. Start saying, how can I submit what's happening to me to God so that what's divided in me can be reconciled? Because God's with you. I don't know the answers as to why things are happening. I mean, sometimes the starter in the car just breaks. Sometimes the bill comes out of nowhere. Sometimes the relationship falls apart. The reign of sin and death is alive and well. The devil is a roaring lion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of starting to find, instead of trying to find out the source of where it's coming from, just... You're in it. Like nobody's drowning going, where's the water coming from? You're just in it. Like throw me a life jacket, yo. Like that's what I need. So instead of asking where did it come from, just start saying, God, what can you teach me in this? Like what can I learn about you in this? And what can you reveal about me in this? And can you give me the power to give it to you so that you can change me through this? Are you with me? Matthew 4 verse 23, now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus left the trail of liberated and healed bodies in his ministry because he loves us and he wants us to know wholeness more than we want to be made whole. And being held captive by divided lives is not what God wants for any of us. No matter what's causing the division within, Jesus can be trusted with it. So what do we do? We pray the prayer of Ephesians. One more time together. Paul says, this is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or earth is recognized by him. I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. Having a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and height, length and depth, together. Everybody say together. Together. With all believers, I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you'll be filled with the entire fullness of God. Glory to God who is able to do far above and beyond that which we could ask, think, or imagine His power at work within us. Glory to Him and the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and always. Amen. So here's where I think we begin. It begins at least, it begins at the very least and is sustained by some sort of communal life. Everybody say communal life. Paul talks about this together. We're not going to do this just in our closets. We need each other to live this out. We need each other if our divided lives are going to be reconciled. We need to be in a community where truth is required of all, where love is the law of all, where justice is valued by all, where forgiveness is practiced by all, where gracious hospitality guides all. Then we must choose to live humbly in self-giving and self lifting love where we are unafraid of vulnerability. And so we can accept that this is our lifelong journey forward, and I'm not meant to do it alone. Reconciliation is an ongoing, continuous commitment and ethic that should always guide us. May God give us grace. All right, so here's some practices. You ready? Page seven. Page seven, here's some practices. I'm going to give you two personal practices that I found fruitful. And then two communal practices that I found fruitful. All right. John, you're not recording, right? Good, so I can move around. I was driving John nuts last week. Like he looked down and I'm like completely out of the screen. He's like Allison said, you kept disappearing. It's Like, yeah, I had Red Bull. All right, I don't drink Red Bull. I just drink coffee. Um, no, thank you. Maybe. Number one, revealing your inner life. Identify one area or aspect of your inner life you're hiding from God. Just identify one. You know what it is. You know what it is. Reveal it. And then submit it to God. Now, how do you do that? Like, practically. Well, here's what I would encourage you to do. Read Romans 8, 1 through 16. And wherever it says sin or the flesh or self-centeredness, insert whatever it is you're hiding. And read it that way. And then pray the prayer of Ephesians 3 14 to 21 and do this daily with whatever it is you have identified in mind pray Ephesians 3 14 through 21 two times in a row once with you in mind but because this is a communal reality a second time with WCC in mind so here's how it work: I pray that I would be let me find the scripture because I haven't got it memorized this is why I kneel before you father every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by you. I ask that you will strengthen me and my inner self from the riches of your glory through your spirit. You see how I'm doing that? Pray it like that. And then pray it again, except for this church family that you're a part of. This is why I kneel before you, Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by you. I ask that you will strengthen WCC in each one of our inner selves from the riches of your glory through the spirit. Are you with me on that? Pray it that way. And then, move on. Or you can practice the daily examine. If you want to practice the daily examine, um, there's a couple of apps. Daily examine is just a purposeful way of examine every day. At the end of the day, you examine your day. And you let the daily examine as a practice guide you. There are two apps I've included here. My favorite one is reimagining the examine. Now, here's the thing. It takes work. Everybody say it takes work. Like, you have to be willing to not watch the TV thing, the TV show, or Or whatever, like you're going to have to forego something. Remember, we grasp for the things we want, right? Like if you've got to do the work thing, you'll not watch TV to do the work thing, right? Like that's what we'll do. We grasp for the things we want. If we really want this, grasp for it. All right. The communal level, all right? This will take a little bit of explanation. Commit to a season of hospitable listening. Okay, you ready? Ready? I, do, I, I try to practice this often personally. When you listen to someone in this church, and I'm talking about WCC, not talking about your Christian friends outside of the church, so I'm talking to us as a church family. So if you don't know a lot of people, this can change if you let it. When you listen to someone in this church or read a post that they share on social media, especially if you imagine that you share very different stories or a different lived experience, maybe different race, different ethnicity, different socioeconomic reality, or just someone. Um, with whom you have very little in common or already know you disagree with, listen deeply to every word they say without allowing yourself to judge it. But here's the key. Don't ask questions. Just listen and receive the stories. Don't try to understand. Just be with. Listen to the stories, the testimonies, experiences and struggles. And then submit all the feelings that that creates inside of you and submit all that stuff to God in prayer, and here's the prayer that I pray with Ian every day. And pray, God, may my eyes be your eyes, and my ears be your ears, may my mind be your mind, may my mouth be your mouth, may my heart be your heart, and may my hands and feet be yours. So take what it, so you read something Joe posts, because he posts the sketchy stuff. I can say that because. And you just, you just take it. And it, and it makes you feel something inside. And you want to block them. You want to hide them. You want to delete them. You want to do your social media thing. Or you heard Susan say what she says. Like in the hall. And you just want to ignore it. And you want to walk away from it. But you put yourself in it. And you just receive it. And you don't ask questions. You don't say, tell me why you feel You don't. You just, you just receive it. And all the stuff that does inside of you. And you submit it to God. And you ask God to change you. Or number two, commit to faithful presence. Identify someone with whom you you are sure you have little in common or do not know and invite them for a cup of coffee or lunch. Be candid in your invitation. And I gave you a script. Hey, Fred encouraged us to invite WCC people out. We don't know well. Are you uncomfortable with meeting me for a cup of coffee or lunch? Because here's what happened. If I don't give you that script, you'll never do this because you may not know a lot of people. So you're not going to call somebody you don't know. But if you don't know Andy, be like, hey, Andy, Fred, you remember on Sunday because you were there? Andy raised your hand. Now, somebody call Andy. Please, somebody just call Andy. Just somebody do it because I'm using it. But call, Andy's good for it. Call Andy and be like, hey, you know, Fred said invite somebody out for lunch or coffee. Don't know each other. Didn't get to know each other very well. I just want to hear a story. You're willing to share. But let Andy say no. And then judge Andy. No, just let Andy say no if Andy says no. You know, but, but, like, but just be with somebody. And don't ask a bunch of probing questions. Just listen. And especially if Andy shares something with you that tweaks your ideology or tweaks your way of seeing the world. Don't proke at it. Just listen and receive it. Just listen and receive it. Don't try to look at the language here. Don't try to learn from them. Learn what about them. And instead of finding some burning issue to discuss, just get to know each other as family in Christ. Hold all personal judgment and submit it to the Lord. And when you return to your car or your home, do that and then give thanks for being able to be present. Just try these try any one of these four things. Try one personal and one communal. Can we try? Come on, can we try? Let's try. (laughs) Let's. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) y'all. Let's do this. Let's allow God to heal us in the presence of Christ and one another. And reconcile these divided lives we live. You know what will happen as a result of this? Not only will we reconcile inside of ourselves, we'll reconcile with one another. And that's a gift. Because every week we come together, we come to the table of reconciliation. We come to the table of reconciliation where we remember that what was once separated has now been brought together in the body and the blood of Jesus. What was once broken is being made whole.